Let's pray. Father, let everything that I think, say, and do today be in accordance with what your will is for my life. Lord, bring forth a word that will touch a life in this sanctuary today. Someone here needs to hear what you have given me to say. And to that individual or individuals, I say, receive it with a glad heart. For I pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Now, some of you may not know who I am. Um, I've been around Calvary Chapel for a while. I was over at Country Club for a while before we moved over here. And I've uh, served in different capacities in this church for a good number of years. And to go back uh, to an earlier time when I was still working, I was born in 1935, so yeah, that makes me 80. I'll be 81 very soon. So back in the day when I had a Bible study in my home, it was easy to get up and, and teach because I could remember just about everything. <laughs> Not so easy at 80. <laughs> but I started the Bible study in my home, and it, it grew. And most, a lot of you have been to my house. You know it's not a great big house. And you get 50 people in a house for a Bible study on a Friday night when football's being played at the high school. You've done something special. So the people wanted to, they said, well, this, we're getting too big for this. Let's rent an auditorium. So we rented a place and kept that for a couple of years. And then we bought a building. The Methodist Church in Carroll, Ohio, we bought that building because they wanted to build a new sanctuary. So we took their old one and stayed there for a while. So this is not my first time out of the box, so... Bear with me. If you take your Bibles and turn to Ephesians chapter 6, we'll be starting with verse 10. That's our scripture for today. And a question I might ask you is, who do you think is the most important person in this room today? It's you. You're the most important person. Because God wants to touch you. Are you in chapter 6, verse 10? Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and the power of his might. Strong in the Lord and the power of his might? How do you do that? Sounds pretty difficult, huh? Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of darkness of this age, against spiritual hosts of wickedness in the heavenly places. The wiles of the devils are the tricks that he uses against Christians to keep us from getting into good warfare against the spiritual enemy. Now, if the devil were a human being or our enemies were human beings, uh, we could take a ball bat and pretty much hold our own. You know, we could beat him up. 
get him out of our door, get him out of our life, not let him in our house. But since he's a spirit creature, we can't do that. So we have to find some other way to do it. And that's, that's what we're going to find out today is how we do it. Therefore, take up the whole armor of God, that you may be able to withstand the evil of the day, and having done all to stand, stand. I always get a kick out of that. Done everything you can do, stand against the devil. Well, Paul describes this, this armor that the Christian has uh, in accordance with what the Roman soldier wore. They wore a full uniform, and they were the greatest warriors of their time. And they had all kinds of protection on their body from all the armor and the uniform that they put on and the helmet and all that. So when Paul sat down to write this, he formed the same kind of thing for us humans to protect us. He says, stand therefore, having girded your waist with truth, having put on the breastplate of righteousness, and having shod your feet with the preparation of the gospel of peace. Above all, taking the shield of faith with which you will be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked one, and take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God, praying always with all prayer and supplication in the Spirit, being watchful to this end with all perseverance and supplication for all the saints and for me. Not bad writing for an uneducated guy. Of course, later on, he was very, very educated. We're going to zero in. In fact, that was the name of the church that my son and I formed was called the Sword of the Spirit Church based upon the Word of God. We're going to zero in on the Word of God and prayer, which is, you notice my shirt today, I wore this because of the movie, The War Room. Yes. yes. Uh-huh. Many of you went and saw this movie. I still think that Elizabeth in the movie was really Michelle Obama because she looked just <laughs> like her. <laughs> now, when we look at this uh, section of Scripture and it says uh, praying always in the Spirit, that doesn't necessarily mean that you're play- praying in tongues. The way that it's used here in this particular Scripture, it means general prayer. So you should be praying according to God's word and not praying for something that God has not mentioned that you need in his word. Do we know the difference between need and want? We find out in a hurry, don't we? Now, we've just become a two-baby church. Isn't that fantastic? We're growing our own church. Now, the other scripture that goes along with this one is in 2 Corinthians 10, 4, but stay where you are in that scripture because we may be back to that. In 2 Corinthians 10, 4, it says, For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty, and God for pulling down strongholds, casting down arguments, and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God. 
And we have a lot of that going on. There's a lot of people on planet Earth today and a lot of groups and, and governments that think they're a lot smarter than God. And they're going to do it their way, not God's way. I got news for them. They're going to lose anyway. Do you know that a lot of people talk about languages? You know, there's five, I think it's 7,500 languages on planet Earth. And God understands every one of them. I have trouble with English. (laughs) But our body language means a lot too. And when we think of conforming to the teachings of Jesus Christ, we have to give up a lot of the things that we were taught when we were children, especially from our classmates at school. I mean... I remember going to school when I was a young person and my schoolmates thought that the only way you could settle an argument was punching somebody in the face. Yeah, Yeah, I remember those days. But today we're going to look at two things that can grow you spiritually so that you can fight the fight that was mentioned in this War Room movie. The word in you and prayer coming out of you. The word in you and prayer coming out of you. I don't know if somebody left their lunch here or is it? Now, this is a prop. I know a lot of people think, well, there goes another tacky prop. (laughs) But I wanted to bring this because I wanted to ask you some rhetorical questions about an orange. Now, you don't have to answer them because they're rhetorical. That means you don't have to answer them. If I were to squeeze this orange real hard, what do you think would come out of it? Orange juice, right? Well, would it matter if it was me squeezing it or if it was somebody else squeezing it? Would it matter if it was midnight or noon or early in the morning? If you squeeze it, you're still going to get orange juice. Why? Because that's what's inside of it. Now, the big question is, when pressure is applied to you, when you get squeezed, what comes out of you? Bitterness? Cursing? I'll get even with you? Retaliation? Some bad things? Or does the Word of God come out of you? Tenderness, forgiving? Pray for the person that did you wrong? What comes out of you when pressure is applied? See, the orange is not so silly after all because what's inside of us will come out when we get irritated, when we get wronged. And that's what we're going to talk about today is getting more of God in you, His Word, and prayer out of you. Now, what causes pressure? Pressure in everyday life could be your flesh wants something that's not exactly right with God. You have temptations. 
and I'll run through these. Spouse, kids, work, lack of work, co-workers, friends, relatives, money matters, false accusations against you. The Word and prayer are two powerful weapons. I know that most people think that prayer is our only offensive weapon. But the Word of God is a fantastic defensive weapon, and we need both. Now, I went to the Air Force Academy when I was very young. And at that time, you had to already be a pilot with a prop plane before you could get into the academy because they were converting over to jets at that time. And I went to the academy, and I thought I was a pretty good pilot with the props. Until I got in, you train on the T-33A. It's so that two people, your instructor sits behind you, and you sit in the front. Did you ever love that when you were working in your job to have your boss come up and look right over your shoulder, watch everything you did, every move you make? That's the way it was. And once you learned how to fly a jet aircraft through this trainer, really getting on your case a lot, and you know the language that's used in the military, none of it is fit for the church, right? So I finally graduated and... One of the planes that I was checked out on was called an F-86 Sabre jet. thing would go 597 miles an hour. And when I got in that thing and did my first solo flight, I'm looking around and things are passing me by. And my brain can't even comprehend what's, you know, I can't see everything and bring it into my brain to understand what's going on. It was just too fast. And that's the same thing that happens to human beings once they get saved. I was saved. I grew up really in a Christian home. Uh, my grandpa was a preacher. Most of my uncles were ministers. So I praised God, and I, I thanked him so many times as I was growing up for raising me in a Christian family. One of the things that being raised in a Christian family will get you is people being hurtful toward you because they're not as spiritual as you are. So they want to attack you. So if we look at how do we get more word into us? And you probably try. You have several different things that you're doing already. Let me run through a list. Well, you go to church, so you've got a good start already. Reading your Bible. Studying your Bible. Two different things. You probably found that out. You can read the Bible, and if, if you're not reading one of the modern versions... You can read the King James Version all day long, and if you're a new Christian or one that, that hasn't been to a theology school, you'll find it difficult to understand what's being said. In fact, when I first started going to church, that's about all the preachers did. They'd, read, they'd get up and read in the King James Version, then they'd tell you what they think it said, and that was the, that was the preaching. Singing scriptural songs. 
We do that. Some churches don't. My son was an officiato of older songs, and he would look, he would say, we're not singing this song because it's not scriptural. It's, it's not even right with God. A lot of the old-time songs were written, and they weren't exactly scriptural. They didn't lead you in the right direction. Fellowship. Discussing the Word of God. Now, this church, not so much. People here like to hang around and fellowship. Boy, I've been in churches where, boy, when the preacher's done, or the last song is sung, they're out the door, man. Yeah. And they're not fellowshipping with anybody. They're, they're hungry. They're going to go get something to eat. That's more important. So fellowshipping and discussing the Word of God. And I'm, I'm not saying that you can't fellowship and talk about football and basketball and skiing and all the things that, that God has given you to like. You can always segue into talking about God. And another way you can learn more is teaching the Word of God to other people. Do you know that the pastor from day to day gets up? You don't know how many hours he spent getting a message ready so that it would make sense to you or touch your spirit and cause you to want to do a, and live a better life. Another way is Bible-based movies like the war room. TV shows and radio that are based upon something that is good and wholesome. Now, years ago, I, I heard a guy say that one of these days, uh, what is good will be called bad, and what is bad will be called good. And I said, well, that's biblical. That's in the Bible. He said, well, I thought I just made that up. <laughs> but just as we have multiple sources and ways to get the Word of God into us, we have several types of prayer, types of prayer, to get the Word out of us and let other people know what we really think and feel. There's the prayer of agreement, the prayer of faith, prayer of intercession, prayer of request or supplication, prayer of thanksgiving, the prayer of worship, and the prayer of consecration. And there's others, but that's the major list. We won't be able to cover all those today. We'll cover a couple of them. We'll start with the word of faith and the prayer of faith because that's what most people think of when they think or say, let's pray or I'm going to pray. They think of praying in faith, that God will do something to change a particular outcome in our life or somebody else's. And in James 5.15, he says, And the prayer of faith will save the sick, and the Lord will raise him up, and if he has committed sins, he will be forgiven. Now, even though that's talking about he and him and all that, it's mankind he's really talking about. Everybody, man, woman, and child. And the Bible goes on to say, the effective, fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much. Go find yourself a righteous man, have him pray for you. You can't look and tell if a person is a righteous man or a righteous woman. 
Because a lot of people come into church, raise their hands, clap their hands, sing the songs, and say all the right things. But in their heart, you're not their family. This is a family. We love each other. And we care about one another. We have leadership in the church that, that prays for the, the congregation all the time. This prayer on our lips that you will have a better life and that you'll get closer to God and appreciate what God's already done in your life. Like a gift from God, a little baby. Wow. I love babies. Now, kind of going back to the war room, I want to tell you a story, short, about an elderly lady, which kind of reminds me of the elderly lady in the war room. She went to midweek service, and it was getting late. So she hurried home. She walks into her house to find a crook in there robbing her of all of her valuables. And he's getting ready to run out the door, and she yells at him. She says, Acts 2.38. He freezes in his tracks and doesn't move. She goes over and gets her phone, calls the police. Police come. While they're putting the cuffs on the guy, the police officer says, why did you just stand here? All the old lady did was scream a scripture at you. And the guy said, well, she told me she had an axe in 238. <laughs> <laughs> Quieten down now. Another thing that I like to do is pray God's word back to him. You know, you can combine getting the word in you and praying at the same time. You ever try that? You ever do that? Uh, I'll just give you a little demonstration, a couple of lines. Probably the most quoted psalm is Psalm 23, right? Probably more people know that psalm or part of the Bible than any other. I wonder, you know, we heard that ISIS would line up some people that they had captured, and if they couldn't quote the Quran, uh, certain scriptures, then they murdered them. I wonder how many of us, if we were captured and were asked to quote scriptures from our Bible, how many we could actually quote. If all Bibles were destroyed tomorrow, could you tell your children and grandchildren and friends and unsaved people what God said in his word? Well, probably not. There's a lot in there. But you could do like this. It starts out, the Lord is my shepherd. You could say, Lord, I'm so glad you're my shepherd. You're my shepherd. And I just pray right now that you would be the shepherd of all my children, all of my grandchildren, my relatives. 
Lord, please be their shepherd as well because I know what it means to me to have you as my protector and shepherd. I shall not want. <laughs> That's a tough one. We as human beings want a lot of things. Do we need half of them? Probably not. There was a comic years ago that used to have a whole skit on the things that we accumulate. And we accumulate so much we fill up our garage and park our cars outside. I do that. I converted my garage into a bedroom. And a few months ago, I had six people move into my house. Four children and two adults. You remember I'm 81. <laughs> Almost. He makes me to lie down in green pastures. Well, how could you pray about that? What does that mean anyway? Well, talking about a shepherd, and he's taking care of sheep. And sheep are very skittish creatures. If their shepherd isn't there to calm them down, just like a little baby, you don't calm them down. Little kids, you can put them to bed 14 times and they I need a drink of water. I got to go to the bathroom. I, I forgot to eat my... Ah, never mind. It's just a lot of things. So you can pray that, Lord, I'm so glad that you're my protector and that I can lay down in my bed at night and feel safe. I don't feel safe because I might have a machine gun in my closet or that that I have recently went and got a carry permit that I could shoot somebody if they come into my house. I feel safe and secure because of Jesus Christ. He's my protector. I don't need the other stuff. And my gosh, even if even if somebody breaks in and kills me, I just get to heaven sooner. That's all. Yeah, there you go. And remember, I'm 80 years old, so I'm ready to go. <laughs> I want that new body. This one's done really great for me. I'm, I'm very pleased. It's still holding up pretty good. Another great scripture is Hebrews 11.1. 1. Now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. So you pray, and you don't see any evidence. Well, what's the problem? You pray for somebody that's sick, and they get sicker. Well, what does God's Word say? It says, faith is a substance. It's something real. It's not just something, you know, oh, I have faith. I have faith because somebody told me I had faith once. It's something that's very real and something tangible. And it's the evidence of something you can't see. Can you see my faith? No. Can you see the air in this room? No. You know what it's made out of? Who cares? <laughs> Let me tell you, 21% of the air in this room is oxygen. And you would know it if it wasn't there. <laughs> that keeps you alive. 
God saw to that. That's his oxygen you're breathing. Paul's telling, say, people, you're, you're drinking God's water and you're breathing his air. You ought to give him some credit. Seventy-eight percent of the air in this room is nitrogen. You don't even need it. It's just a vehicle. You say, wait a minute, 78 and 21 is only 99. How about the other percent? That's eight other gases that we don't need. But we do need the oxygen. We can't see it. But we have faith to take that next breath. Uh, anybody in here <laughs> do not want to partake of God's oxygen? Just stop breathing. We'll take care of you, believe me. But we're told in the Bible that God made everything in the universe. And our minds, I don't know, my mind cannot comprehend how big the universe really is. I read about hundreds, zillions of, of stars out there. I, I just can't comprehend how far it is. And then there was a movie not too long ago, and this little soldier is a cartoon character, and he would say, to infinity and beyond. There is no beyond infinity. <laughs> but God made the universe out of things that were invisible, and then he made them visible. How did he do that? Well, the Bible says he spoke them into existence. But what did he use? Faith, maybe? I don't know. I know this. If you want a wooden picnic table, get a carpenter. He knows how to make one out of wood. If you want an answer to prayer, go to the Lord, who knows how to make invisible things visible. Now, do you ever notice something in the Bible, if you read, especially in the New Testament, and we'll, we'll quote some of what Jesus said. In Mark 5.34, Jesus said, Your faith has healed you. Your faith has healed you? Luke 17.19, he says, Your faith has made you whole. Yeah. Your faith did that? In Luke 8.48, he says, your faith has healed you and made you well. Matthew 9.27 says, and this one is a little different. It says, according to your faith, be it done to you. Does that mean if you have little faith, you get little results? If you have a lot of faith, you get a lot of results? Did you ever plant grass seeds? Ever plant anything? <laughs> plant any seed, and I've done this, and I feel kind of silly sometimes when I do it. I go out and plant grass seed, cover it up, water it. Then it's God's problem, right? <laughs> Unless the birds come along and eat it. Well, God put that here for me too. Anyway, we plant seeds, and the next day or a day or two, you go out and you're looking <laughs> to see if anything's growing. 
You plant an apple tree and the next day go out and expect to get an apple off of it? <laughs> Do the fruits of the Spirit on a newborn Christian or, you know, somebody that's just been born again? Do they appear immediately in their life? No, it takes time for fruit to develop. Now, the pastor is gone today and his wife and his family because they're at a baptism. The baptism of Michelle's mother and father. Sometimes it takes a long time for your faith to develop into visible things. They've been praying for that couple for a long, long time. I'm I'm talking years here. Did they give up? I don't think so, because now it's manifesting. So if you go out and keep checking on that grass seed, pretty soon you'll see a little bit of it grow. God planted a seed. The Bible tells us that we have a little bit of faith and that not of our own. God planted a seed of faith in every human being. Is it enough faith to move a mountain? I don't know. He says that if you have the faith of the size of a mustard seed, that's a real tiny seed. You could probably hold a thousand of them in your hand. If you have that much faith, it's a lot. but we can grow our faith. I wanted to demonstrate. I like demonstration. I can't see that clock. I don't want to know what time it is. Um, these lights block it out so you can't see. But I don't know how far out I can come, but I want to demonstrate two types of prayer. And I'm going to ask this young lady, DJ, to or JD. <laughs> DJ is coming over. I know from talking to her, just visiting with her, she'll stand there and say, oh man, my hip is killing me. Or it hurts. It hurts. And it's on both sides. And I'm sure she's done everything she can do to make it better. Now, if I were to pray for her to be healed, that would be a prayer of faith. But if I would ask Mary Ann and Carla to agree with me and lay hands on those hips as I pray for, this is a different kind of prayer. This is the prayer of agreement. Now, I like to do this because, you know, I've got faith, she's got faith, she's got faith, and she's got faith. We've got a lot more faith here than just me standing over there and praying. Do you believe God can heal those hips? Absolutely. He made them. And he made them pretty good <laughs> for a good number of years. Father, in the name of Jesus, we ask right now that you start the healing process in these hips, that they will get better and better and better, and that she will come in and give a witness that her hips are better. I pray this in Jesus' name. And I take advantage of the scripture, 1 John 1, 9, where it says, if you pray for forgiveness, 
of any sin in your life, then you become a better intercessor. We also become an intercessor to intercess and pray for this lady. Be healed in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Many prayers today are very long and tedious sometimes. One of the things that always bothered me as a preacher will get up and preach a sermon. And then he says, well, well let's close in prayer. And he re-preaches the sermon and his closing prayer. I said, I think I already heard that. I got it. Now, I mentioned intercessory prayer, and I wanted to demonstrate that as well. In Ephesians 1.15, just back a few pages from where we started, the Word of God says, Therefore I also, after I heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love for the saints, I do not cease giving thanks for you, making mention of you in my prayers, that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give to you the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him. Now, we have a couple sitting right over here. Another demonstration. Now, I heard that thing starting to beep, so it may not be as easy to get over here. But we have a couple right here that have a son that lives out in California. His name is Bobby. And Bobby has a lot of problems. And I was talking to Cyn Cynthia Cindy, the other day. And I said, well, why don't you call him up and talk to him on the phone? She said, he won't talk to me on the phone. So we're going to pray that somehow, way, God moves and that Bobby will talk to them, to his parents, just on the phone. Something simple, easy for God. We call them miracles. God calls it everyday work. Now, this is called pure intercessory prayer, just me praying for Bobby in California. Father, in the name of Jesus, I ask right now that you by your spirit, visit Bobby and that you whisper in his ear and tell him your parents love you very much and they want that bond reconnect with you. That somehow, some way, Bobby, you're going to be talking to your parents on the phone. Maybe not in person, not right now at least, but we're going to believe that God can cause that to happen that Bobby will call or you guys will call and he will talk to you. In Jesus' name, in faith believing, amen and amen. I like demonstration because it lets you know that it's a very simple thing to pray for people. So don't put it off. If you go into McDonald's and sit down with your cheeseburger, Pray over your food. Do me a favor. Try it just the next few times you go into a busy fast food restaurant. They're not used to seeing people pray. Pray over your food. And as you're praying, look around. You'll see they're watching you. I'm talking about praying out loud. Yeah. Not sitting there. I don't think you're <laughs> I'm not. 
Thank you, Lord, that I can afford this cheeseburger today. I know that it's feeding me. It may not be the best food in the world, but you can bless it to my body. In Jesus' name, hallelujah. Look around. You'll see other people then start to say, they'll start praying for their friends. So in this uh, scripture we just read, that was Paul writing to the church at Ephesus, and he made it very clear that he prayed for them daily. He prayed for the people in that church. Would you like people praying for you? Well, sure. You know, just because Paul was an apostle, and just because somebody's a teacher or a preacher, just because somebody's in the management part or the leadership of a church doesn't mean they don't need prayer. They probably need it worse, really. Yes. Because they're attacked more often. That's why I say always pray for your pastor and his family. Because you know how, you know, just the devil attacking a pastor is one thing. He'll shake it off. But you know how the devil gets to it? He attacks the family. I know just as I was uh, asked to share a few scriptures with you guys, I, I woke up this morning, I, I was hoarse. And I said, well, what is this? I, n I never have any problems talking. <laughs> but my, it was real scratchy and it's like it's real dry. I said, Lord, this is not right. But is this an attack? Just they don't want anybody to speak at church today. Because Tim's in New Zealand, and the pastor's off at the baptism. So here I am. Lord, use me. So that scripture in 1 John 1, 9, I would suggest you use that a lot. It's a good thing to do before you pray. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Well, if you're cleansed of the unrighteousness, walking out in the world, you can get a little dirty. That's why back in the old days, they had a person to wash your feet. Remember, Jesus did that to his disciples, his followers. But walking around in the world, you can get irritated with people. I, I, for years, had a habit of talking to people in cars, three or four cars in front of me. What are you doing? I know they can't hear me, but it made me feel better. If you can't drive it, park it, right? You know, the uh, James in the Bible had a nickname. And I wish every one of you would get the name, the nickname that James had picked up. He was called Old Camel Knees because he spent so much time in prayer on his knees that they formed calluses. And you know, when, when they load a camel or they unload a camel or a person gets on or gets off, the camel kneels. And that's why they called him Old Camel Knees. If you look at a camel, Ugly looking thing. I'm like a friend of mine who's a podiatrist. 
I said, how can you deal all day with old, ugly, stinking feet? He said, they're not old and stinky. They smell like money. <laughs> so if the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control, and many people break that down and say, really, the fruit of the Spirit is love. And once you get that, all these other things will grow like that apple on the apple tree. So I wish all of that for you today. All of the, the nine of them hanging from you. I wish that every one of you would take this word today very seriously and start reading your Bibles more, getting more of the word in you, and prayer out of you. Because I don't believe that what's happening in our world today, we live in a very evil world. I don't think it's going to be contained where it's at now. It's going to spread, and wherever you are, you're going to run into evil things and evil people. And you're going to need the word in you and the prayer coming out of you to feel safe. Father, bless your word to everyone in the room today and cause them to be the person that you want them to be, not the person that they think that you want them to be, the person that they know that you want them to be. And that is a, a person full of the Word of God and a person that can pray at the drop of a hat. I pray it in Jesus' name. Amen.